Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Marcus Spears from ESPN, and you are listening to The Jake Brown Show. And we are back here with The Jake Brown Show, the first show from down on Hudson Street, the Mecca. Uh, downtown from the old 92.3 Amp Studios, uh, which looks just miserable. It's just white walls and just emptiness, um, like someone was shot uh, in this studio. And Mike Francesa no longer from Hudson Street anymore. But we are here. Marcus Spears will join us here on the Jake Brown Show in the second half of the show. The former Cowboys defensive end and SEC Network analyst. Glad to be back in studio Two weeks away for the first time since we started doing podcasts in 2014, fighting bronchitis last week. The absolute worst. I mean, just a cough of death. I mean, they said my breathing test showed up as 41%, and the, the, the average is 75 So I was basically halfway to dead, essentially. Uh, hope everyone had a Merry Christmas and have a Happy New Year coming up. I, I, it always interests me, how, the wording, and when you talk to people, when Christmas passed, do you, say, do you still say Merry Christmas? No, I, I'm pretty sure... Brian, you, Brian Corson behind the boards, you don't say it anymore. Do you say, I hope you had a good Christmas? You don't still say Merry Christmas, right? Well, I, I'm terrified, so I say holiday. I, I don't even happy say Christmas. Happy holidays, yeah. yeah. You got to cover Hanukkah and Kwanzaa. <laughs> yeah, pretty um, much. Do you say Happy New Year or do, before New Year, or do you have to say Have a Happy New Year? Like, when is the time you say Happy New Year? Like, once Christmas ends, I, you do you say Happy New Year? You only say Happy New Year, like, right before or right after New Year's. You have to lead up to it with with proper tenses. So if I said Happy New Year today, it's it's weird to you. You think? Yeah, you have to say Have a Happy New Year. Or okay. Hope you have a Happy New Year. Hope you have a happy. See, I've been saying Happy New Year, but and people just don't know how to react. They're like, they're like, wait, so is, they look is at it their watch, Their phone, like, wait a minute. They're like, wait a second. I was just at work today. It wasn't a holiday. <laughs> What's going on here? Uh, so that always confuses me how that goes down. But have a Happy New Year, everyone. Twenty eighteen coming up. Twenty seventeen, man, was absolutely miserable. I don't know about you people. But just a miserable year. Uh, well, one, we have Donald Trump in office, so that's that's enough to make it a miserable year. Uh, two, getting laid off. Uh, three, getting bronchitis during Christmas. I mean, talk about no merry merriness there. Um, and four, my grandma is just 92 and almost dying. So that's just some sad things going on. But I'll say this. If I live till I'm 92, I'm shocked. So a living 92 years is remarkable. So if, if if it ends, I mean, guess what? 92 years, if I make it to 80 or 85, I'd be shocked. I mean, the fact that I haven't turned into a chicken parm hero yet is remarkable, <laughs> or a chicken finger yet. I mean, I just had Benny Hanna twice in three days. I mean, that puts life <laughs> into perspective right there. Uh, my mom got me a gift card for Christmas. We went Sunday, and they gave me a gift card. And then two days later, I'm like... You know, you know, I'm about to use this right now. I mean, that's it. So, Benny Hanna is one of the great establishments in American history. I mean, if you don't like hibachi and them cooking in front of you, I don't know if you have a soul. And there, there's always an issue when we're at Benny Hanna, always at the table. The guy to my right, gluten free. 
I don't understand gluten-free people because I don't know what has gluten and what doesn't. I know Doritos have gluten. So if I couldn't eat the Cool Ranch Doritos, what am I going to do with myself? Like, doesn't everything have gluten? Like, how do you know if something has gluten or not? And then they brought this guy soy sauce, and he's like, I told you three times I can't have gluten. I didn't know soy sauce has gluten. I mean, even sauce. Well, those things can be. I mean, a lot of people take it a little too serious, a little too far, but... That can be serious and can lead to death. I mean, really? I had, I had a, uh, a relative that had celiac, uh, which means it just... It, that's what I heard. Gluten, celiac is the yeah. one that's the killer. Yeah, Yeah. so that one, uh, it just you, your body just doesn't process it, and it's just, it's just very bad overall. I just, how do people determine what does and what doesn't? If they accidentally eat it, do they like just have to dump for days? Like, Are they on the toilet forever? That I don't remember, but uh, I know that um, the... If you if you do have to eat gluten free food, you have to even use like equipment that has not touched gluten products. So like if you went to like a bakery that they made bread with gluten in it, you'd have to have them use an entirely different set of equipment to make gluten free bread for you. That's alarming. It's like yeah, it's yeah. like you have to use tongs and you have to wear gl- rubber gloves and and goggles. Probably like you're a yeah. mad scientist. Probably yes. <laughs> I mean, there's just too much that goes on, and every time. It, but luckily, across from us was a cute little girl who was having a blast watching it. And you love when the kids watch it. And, of course, the mom's taking video of the kids' reaction every move. I mean, welcome to 2017, where everything has to be captured online. And what was captured online, on the radio, and now all over the Internet, as we try and make a semi-good transition <laughs> over to sports, is an interview that, of course, happens not on the Michael K. show, but on Bob Wachusen, the Jets announcer, filling in for Michael K. Only fitting that the interview that breaks the internet is on the Michael K. show when Michael K. is not even hosting. I mean, poor Michael K. Just trying to get the ratings now that Mike Frances is gone and trying to take the ratings away from this trio of Bart Scott, Maggie Gray, and Chris Carlin, who I used to get his coffee and like pizza for at SNY. Big Chris Carlin. And Michael K. can't catch a break. Landon Collins comes on the Michael K. show with Bob Bushusen yesterday, the giant safety, and calls Eli Apple a cancer. He calls him a cancer to the locker room. Today, he tweets out an apology for saying that. I met with Coach Spags and Eli this morning. I apologize for the things I said yesterday. I never stopped supporting my brother slash teammate Eli and the rest of my teammates as we move forward. Just want him to know that I'm always here for him. I mean, if that's not trying to be a PR, uh, clear of a PR move, I mean, I mean, he has to say that. You have to apologize. There's a lot of angles you can look at this news. One, Eli Apple's been terrible. Eli Apple's been bad. His mom, Annie Apple, has been bad. And... His mom is in all sorts of drama and a bunch of stories with their family life. And her allegedly taking a bunch of Eli's money. And you know how she had the time in ESPN. And she was getting the FaceTime. And she was trying to get her 15 seconds of fame as much as she could. And there's a lot of drama going on in this story. And it's been a saga that describes, pretty much sums up, the New York Giants season. A season that if what can go wrong will go wrong. Two and thirteen on their way to the second pick, likely, in the NFL draft. The Eli Manning debacle 
Now the Eli Apple debacle and two Elis in a big apple is not going to work. And the latter is on his way out of town. Landon Collins should have never went to the media and never went on this radio show and love Bob Washusen. Great broadcaster, great announcer, a guy that I've tried to get on the show, but with the ESPN, CBS thing, now Intercom thing, it just doesn't work out. I wish now, see, the downside of Intercom is people don't know it as much in the name. The upside is maybe ESPN people could come on now. Now that's not C- it's called CBS, maybe it's like, all right, we can come on Intercom. We couldn't come on CBS, but we'll see. Probably not. doesn't make a difference because it's still technically CBS is part of it. But anyways, on a side note. Comes on the show and calls his teammate a cancer. Now, in this day and age, with social media, with reporters tweeting things and all this nonsense, you just can't do that. Was he right? Probably. And he he told us a lot about Eli Apple. Eli Apple is not only having a horrendous season, he's been bad off the field too. And his mom has been bad off the field, and I think his family life may be affecting him. And maybe he thinks he's a, he's, a, he's a star and he's not. And this kid might have talent, but it has to be somewhere else. Because when you get called out on the radio by your defensive teammate, you get called to cancer. I'm sorry, but the Giants have got to get rid of him. And we talked with Marcus Spears later on in the show about this, how it might be a $9 million cap hit. If that's the case, you got to eat. Because there is no way, even with this apology, that Eli Apple is happy about this because you know how much this affects your career when a guy that people do respect in the Giants defense and Landon Collins, a guy who, for the most part, has shown up this season, for the most part, has been a very good player and a good safety and a hard-hitting safety that's that's big for the Giants' future. When he says this, it it's going to hit Eli Apple hard. And it's going to be a difficult decision for the Giants to make. They might have to cut him. And I mean, just when you thought the drama couldn't get any worse in Giants land, this happens. You had one Eli, and now you have another Eli. And who knows the future of Eli Manning at this point as well. He's going to start for maybe one final time on Sunday. Davis Webb will be active. Geno Smith will be inactive, costing him $25,000. And if Geno Smith wants to do a nice PR move, he takes 25000 that he lost and maybe donates it to charity. And I'm sure tweet about it, and that'd be a nice little publicity, a nice PR move for him. I think people would appreciate that. He won't, but it'd be a nice move. But he loses that twenty five thousand. Maybe we do see Davis Webb for at least a half. This is a situation where maybe Eli plays the first half, then you bench him. And Eli was bad against the Cardinals. We've we've given him the excuse all year, and he deserves it. That the offensive line stinks. He's got no wide receivers. 100% right on both ends. But you have to factor in that Eli has also been bad. And the whole Giants team has been bad. So it, it's not solely on him at all. But it's definitely just, it's it's all going downhill. And this team just has so much to worry about this offseason. They have so many things going on that need to be taken care of. And I don't even know where you start. Where do you start at this point if you're the New York Giants? Where does it end? 
There's just so much going on that it could be a soap opera. It could be live at 1 o'clock on CBS. It could be a soap opera. Big blue and the beautiful. Bold and the beautiful. (laughs) I've had to watch a lot of daytime TV. Today is my eighth month anniversary of unemployment. And I have seen the same episodes of Impractical Jokers multiple times. It's always the same episodes come up. You know you've been unemployed for a long-ass time when you're watching Divorce Court. They have a... It's not even Judge Judy or or Couples Court or something like that. They have a judge... Two judges, husband and wife, doing divorce court, like settling divorces. And it's like... For me, it's just must-watch TV. It's terrible. You know when the car is being given away on The Price is Right. (laughs) You know what time? 11 o'clock, Jerry Springer. 10 o'clock, Maury. Noon, Steve Wilco show. 1 o'clock, soap operas. That's when you go up and get lunch. 3 o'clock, can't miss television, Ellen. Her 12 days of Christmas, folks, are incredible. She gives away like thousands of dollars in prizes to all these people in the audience. The amount of sponsor money she gets is unreal. She gives away like a seven-day luxury vacation. She gives away like a $500 Amazon gift card. She gives away like all these purses. And these chicks in the crowd go crazy. I mean, that has become a bucket list item for me, is to get in the crowd for one of Ellen's 12 days of Christmas. Imagine that, just being in a position where you can give away all this stuff and make people happy and make millions and millions of dollars. It is amazing. She makes all these people happy. She has these cute kids on who can dance. She has a movie star. She had The Rock and Kevin Hart on, a promo Jumanji, which I have to see. Man, this show's going all over the place. We're talking Happy New Year. We're mixing some Giants, and now we're talking about Ellen. But Ellen is just magnificent. And 2 o'clock, you know i got to watch my guy Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey is on every hour of the day on every channel, it seems like. He's got the Steve Harvey show. He's got Family Feud. He's got Little Big Shot. He's got Miss Universe. He's got uh, Night at the Apollo. I mean, Showtime at the Apollo. Steve Harvey is cashing checks from every angle. And it's it's remarkable. This is the Jake Brown Show, radio.com, iTunes, and Spotify. We're at the old 92.3 Amp Studios here on Hudson Street. You can follow me on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio. Follow the show at Jake Brown Show. Brian Corson behind the boards. Pat Ananetti off for the week. You remember Pat as the guy who went out on a date with a girl with a beard and a guy who fingered in between a belly button or in between... uh, Something. (laughs) Below the belly area. I don't know what... Is it the fupa area? I I suppose, yeah. Is that the word FUPA? The, it's the Chris Christie special. Yeah. The FUPA. Yeah. Chris Christie's got a big-ass FUPA. I mean, he is the king of the FUPA club, man. 
I think I called it loofah on the show. <laughs> loofah <laughs> is a little different. Isn't loofah the thing in the shower that you use to scrub you? Like the yeah, girls I use? think so. Yeah, those things are all over my damn shower. I talked about this. I live with three girls. They have so many hair products, and obviously, you see, I don't have any hair products because <laughs> I have no hair. They have all these hair products, conditioner. Then there's these loofahs, oofahs, tufas, loofah de doos, whatever they are. Uh, there's all these things all over the bathroom, falling over. Then the the, the sink gets clogged because of all the hair and i'm showering in a in a the atlantic ocean i mean the water's all the way up it is unreal trying to live with three girls and i got two months left in this apartment who knows where it was next who knows where the next step will be but there's two months left here the the countdown is beginning where will jake be on march 1st nobody knows will he be in st louis Will he be home in Charlotte, North Carolina? Will he be a potential opportunity in Chicago? Never been to Chicago. I feel like I would like it just for the deep dish pizza um, and a lot of good sports there. I mean, you have so many sports teams. There's always a game going to be going on. You got the Cubs, the White Sox, the Bulls, the Blackhawks. Bears. The Bears, of course. The Bears. Yeah, how do I forget that? You have all the college teams, so maybe Chicago, maybe L.A. Take my talents to Hollywood. They're bougie out there. I don't know. Take my talents to Hollywood. Speaking of Hollywood, end of an era. Pitch Perfect 3, saw it last night after I saw Constantine Maroulis friend of the program in Bulldozer the Musical. Good show. We were three rows away in a theater that was like ten rows. It was literally in a church. But Constantine killed it. Now he's off to Guam. He can make so many Guam jokes now. He has a New Year's show in Guam. He could say, yeah, I feel like I'm in Guam. Oh, wait, I am in Guam. I mean, that's... Rarely do you ever go to Guam, you know? I don't even know where Guam is, honestly. Is it an island? Is it near Puerto Rico? Uh, it, I'm pretty sure it's an island. I do not remember where it is. I'm about to look up where the hell Guam is. It's definitely its own, it's its own island, just secluded away from all the rest of the world. We're pulling up a map now. It is far away from everything in northern America. I don't. Oh my goodness, this is secluded from everywhere. Holy cow! It is amazing. Guam is a very small island. Oh yeah, that's pretty far. It is to the right of the Philippines. Oh my god! I, I'm trying to determine. Okay, so it's it's to the east of Japan and the Philippines, out there in the middle of freaking Bumble, you know what? I mean that it's above Australia. Wow, that is very far. Yeah, from that New is. York. There's like a big giant circle between and that and any other piece of land there. That has to be like a two day flight. I mean, how long is that flight? If it's even a flight, maybe it's a boat ride. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe he flies to Japan and hops on a boat. Maybe. Okay, so it looks like it's okay. So it's sem- I guess it's not too far because he could fly to Hawaii and then Hawaii to Guam. It looks like Hawaii is the clo- closest uh, state to it. But Guam, wow, I did not realize how. No wonder why people say Guam. It is literally nowhere near anything. I wonder what the cell phone service is like out there. It must take forever to like to ship food out there, to ship things, to ship if someone needs uh, gifts. Christmas gifts must come late in Guam. They must get Christmas gifts on, like, St. Patrick's Day in Guam. <laughs> Look how far it is. Well, well, actually, wait a minute. Doesn't doesn't the, the Isn't it earlier there? 
So wouldn't they get Christmas before us? <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. So Christmas there is like it's like practically a day early. <laughs> that's wild. I would never go to Guam. But hey, he's got to cash a check, you know. Got to do that show. Big fans of Constantine out of Guam. This is the Jake Brown Show. We're all over the place, but we were talking about Hollywood. And before we finally get into more sports here, Pitch Perfect 3, end of an error. Pitch Perfect 3, 100% worse than the first two. The first two were incredible. The third was the worst of the three movies. But there's just something about Pitch Perfect, man, that I love. Just the acapella thing. I love acapella. How you can make sounds. Just like cool sounds in the background without playing instruments. It's just amazing to me. And how they make it sound so cool. This one was definitely the worst of the three. I think there was just too much going on and a weird storyline where... I'll give away spoilers because most anyone who's listening to the show probably doesn't care about Pitch Perfect as much as I do. But it's basically Rebel Wilson, Fat Amy, uh, her dad is trying to get $180 million that's in Cayman Islands for her and basically holds some of them hostage. Uh, she, she, he holds some of the, the, the Bard and Bellas hostage. And it was just too much of like a a mystery movie or like action movie storyline where it should have kept it simple and more music. That's what I enjoy about it. There wasn't as much music as I hope. Love that DJ Khaled's in it and they perform for DJ Khaled, which is hilarious. <laughs> Khaled ends up, I'm just going to give it away. Khaled ends up, uh, you don't care, of course, right? You're probably not going to see it. I, I've actually seen the first two and I haven't seen three yet, but that, just go for it. <laughs> Should I give it away? Whatever. Yeah, go for it. Um, so they, they pick a they want to pick one of these acts to perform and open up for DJ Khaled for a show for the troops. So they're in like Spain or France and they're traveling to these countries, and Khaled ends up picking just uh, Anna Kendrick and not the Bellas. So she has to face the decision of. Uh, I just gave away the whole thing, but whatever. <laughs> she, <laughs> she she has to face the decision of. Uh, does she go solo without her girls? And she ends up doing it, and they come on stage, blah, blah, blah. But it's just funny that DJ Khaled, it, that describes it. But it was just too much going on. I think they try to get too fancy with it. But it just makes me sad that there will be no more Pitch Perfects now after this. They need to make a new acapella series and a new cast of characters. <laughs> and they probably will, considering they're always remaking movies and doing uh, movies that aren't necessary. One that is necessary, though, that I saw a preview of, Mamma Mia 2. We splurged, and when we got back to the apartment last night, paid on YouTube to watch the first Mamma Mia. Four dollars to watch it in HD. <laughs> we were in such a Mamma Mia mode once that preview. The Mamma Mia soundtrack is one of the greatest productions in the history of the world. I mean, just so many classics that have been stuck in my head all day. I mean, just some great ones. Mamma Mia. Here I go again. My, my, how can I resist you? I mean, there's so many bangers. And ABBA, I mean, Dancing Queen. You're not American if you don't like Dancing Queen. But ABBA's not American. <laughs> <laughs> they're, like, they're, from, they're Swedish, aren't they? You, you make a very valid point there. <laughs> but you're not American if you don't listen to the Swedish group. But, that, I mean, that's just a classic song. You would agree. Dancing Queen is a classic. Yes, I'll agree with that. Yeah. I mean, if you can't jam to Dancing Queen, I don't know if your heart is beating. <laughs> I mean, it is just one of the classic songs, but just a great show. And I don't mind there being a second one of that. And Amanda Seyfried in that movie is just so hot. I mean, there's something about her, her smile in that movie. I mean, shout out Amanda Seyfried, Seyfried, Bayfried. I would say Seyfried. Seyfried. I'll call her Bay. 
<laughs> because she, oh man, she's great. And Meryl Streep even looks good in that movie. I mean, that was 2008. So 10 years later, they're making another one. Not all, not all second movies are necessary. They're really not. But you better believe I will be there. Probably opening day for Mamma Mia 2. <laughs> Buy your tickets now. I think it, I don't. I think it's in March or something. It's coming out sometime in 2018, which is coming up. So is like Mamma Mia your Star Wars or something? Or <laughs> yeah, kind of. Because I, I, I'm just weird where I like musicals my whole life, and Mama, Pitch Perfect might be my Star Wars. <laughs> I saw Star Wars. I, it, it was, I mean, you saw it. It was not. One of the best you, you ones. No, nah, it was way too long. Yeah, and there was it was just not the production that you'd hope. And there, it was too much of like depressing Mark Hamill and just not. It wasn't enough of it. It was just him wanting to die. Yeah, I feel like he could have been involved more in the movie. Yeah, he kind of just popped up in the end. He's like, "All right, let me save you, bitches." Like, pretty much, yeah. Um, I mean, that's something. We, I mean, people have probably seen it by now, but that's something I wouldn't want to spoil. <laughs> yeah, those people got angry. Yeah, I won't. I mean, I'm one of those people. <laughs> I feel like it's been out long enough where most people have seen it by. Well, I mean, now. I only saw it last Thursday, so really, yeah. But like, I, I think everyone, most people have seen it. If you haven't, well, I didn't give away the ending, but like, there wasn't enough of him, which is fine. But it was just like he was the old grandpa who was just angry at everything. I mean, there's so many Star Wars movies; they just never end. I think I don't, I don't know how many more I could take. There's just too many. I mean, yeah, well, there's at least there's at least two more. I mean, there's Han Solo in a couple months, and then Episode Nine, the end of next year. Yeah, that's and there's, there's more. They're, they're planning a whole other, other set of ones too. So they're never gonna end. Yeah, get used to it. <laughs> the never-ending Star Wars movies. This is the Jake Brown Show po- podcast on radio.com slash Jake Brown, iTunes, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio and Jake Brown Show. All right, we covered Pitch Perfect. <laughs> we covered uh, Star Wars. We covered Mamma Mia. We covered Landon Collins and the Giants debacle. We got to talk NFL here. And we got to talk about the playoff race shaping up. First off, Cowboys are eliminated. The Seahawks are still alive. The Seahawks need a win, and they need the Panthers to beat the Falcons on Sunday. If the Seahawks get in, I believe with Marcus, I agree with Marcus Spears that the Seahawks, if they are in, you never know with Russell Wilson what's going to happen. So in the NFC, Eagles are one. They're locked into the one seed in home field. We'll start with that. They looked bad against the Raiders. Nick Foles. Who knows what you're going to get from him? And I think the Eagles right now have become beatable. And I don't think people are scared of them like they would they would have with Carson Wentz. And uh, I'm not saying anything cra- crazy here, but I, I'd be happy to play the Eagles at this point because Nick Foles, you just don't know what you're going to get from him. Are you going to get the Nick Foles that's good, that's bad, or in between? Which one are you going to get? The Vikings? Case Keenum. The top two seeds in the NFC are Nick Foles and Case Keenum. So it's so hard to predict predict that conference when the top two teams have quarterbacks that are nowhere near elite. These are backup quarterbacks as starters. And I know Keenum's been good, but what are we going to see from him in January? What's good for the Vikings here is that they could essentially – have home field throughout. Because if the Eagles lose their first playoff game, which will come in the second round, and the Vikings win their first playoff game, which comes in the second round, the Vikings will be home for their divisional game, they'll be home for their conference game, and they'll be home for the freaking Super Bowl. How often can you say that? The Minnesota Vikings 
The Super Bowl is in Minnesota this year. It's going to be freezing for that, which always happens to be on my birthday weekend. Last year was on my birthday, the Super Bowl, February 5th. But the Eagles' quarterback situation opens this up for the Vikings to potentially have home field throughout, including the Super Bowl. So that's what makes the Vikings an intriguing story. And we could see Case Keenum make a Super Bowl. The Vikings are in a precarious situation now because you have three quarterbacks, and Bradford is practicing this week. They might just keep all three active. Keenum, Bradford, and Bridgewater. And they're going to be in an interesting situation this offseason. Do you bring Teddy back? Do you start him next year? Do you sign Keenum long-term? Is Keenum the answer? He's been good, but he's never been like this his whole career. Do you have Bradford come back? What do they do? One of them's got to go. But do you keep Teddy on the bench? Teddy might want to go somewhere else. Or maybe they start Teddy and let Keenum go. And they say, you know what? We got what we wanted out of Keenum. Let's go back to Teddy. So now the Vikings are in a spot where they don't know who their quarterback of the future is, but they're going to keep riding Keenum through this season and hope that the Eagles go down to the playoffs. But you think they're done there? You would think they're done there. But you have the Rams as the three seed. But here's the problem with the Rams at 11 and 4 right now. And Sean McVay, who has now won more divisional titles with the Rams than Jeff Fisher did. And how about Jeff Fisher saying, I set this team up pretty damn nice. Jeff Fisher, come on. If I did an interview with Jeff Fisher, I would keep it between seven and nine minutes because he's Mr. Seven and Nine. He was the king of seven and nine with the Rams. But it's unfortunate. This amazing Rams season, they have undoubtedly shocked me this season is that they lose Greg the Leg Zerline. This guy has been so pivotal for this team. And if you think kickers don't matter, look what happened on Sunday. Sam Ficken was terrible. This guy was working at like a, a corporation. Gets the call that he's going to be an NFL kicker. His boss says, I hope I don't see you again. Meaning, hey, I hope you stay in the NFL. But the way he's kicking on Sunday, he might not. And the Rams are in a situation where they're going to be at fourth downs and maybe 52-yard kicks that they can't go for because they can't trust Ficken that are going to become punts and turnovers. And if that's the case, the Rams are in trouble come January. As much as I like Todd Gurley, as much as I like Cooper Cup, as much as I like Robert Woods and Sammy Watkins and what they're doing offensively, if you can't trust your kicker to get extra points and deeper field goals, you're going to need those in January. They squeaked by the Titans last week. You're not going to squeak by the Eagles, Vikings, Saints, Panthers, Falcons, Seahawks. You're not going to squeak by those teams with a kicker who was working for like a whatever where he was working, a mortgage firm or something. So losing a Pro Bowl kicker, the best kicker in the league this season, is so impactful for the Rams. You know what? They're going to be happy no matter what this season has been great, but their hopes for maybe a Super Bowl might have flushed down the drain without their kicker. And they didn't even bring up a kicker like, you know, like Robbie Gold comes into San Francisco, and they he's been great. And not only has been, he been great, Jimmy G comes in there. That's a whole other story, and is lighting it up. I'm in a scary situation this week where I have the Rams as my survivor. I have no one else I can really go with that's good this week. So I might have to go Rams. And now the Rams are going to be playing backups against Jimmy G and the Niners who, who haven't lost with him at quarterback. 
in the final week in a survivor. I've made it all season, and it might come down to the backups of the Rams at home against the 49ers. The game is bigger for the Rams, but if they're playing their backups, the Niners could win this thing. The Niners are beating everyone. They just beat the beat the Jaguars, who clinched the AFC South. So I'm in a tough spot for the survivor. But the Rams are in a, are in a very difficult position without their kicker. The Saints... I could see them running away with this. They have a kicker in Will Lutz, who's been good. They have Drew Brees, and their offense is explosive. They have the running game in Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, the big one-two punch. That You can see the Saints running away with this thing. You can see Drew Brees beat Jared Goff, Case Keenum, and Nick Foles. You could also put Cam Newton in that equation and the Panthers. I like what they've done. I just don't know if they have enough. I don't trust them in January. And Cam Newton, the way he's running around like a madman, is going to get himself hurt. He hurt his groin a bit on Sunday. They squeaked by the Bucks. I mean, he ran into the end zone, but fumbled it first, picked it up, and got it in. I don't really trust the Panthers in January, but I give them credit. You trade Calvin Benjamin, you had Greg Olson hurt, and you're 11-4 and and have a chance to win this division. If they beat the Falcons and the Saints lose, the Panthers are your NFC South champions. And the Panthers have a chance, if things go right, to get the two seed. Seahawks need a win and a Falcons loss to the Panthers to get in. The Falcons win, they're in. The Saints clinch the division with a win. The Panthers clinch the division with a win and a Saints loss. Now, if the Panthers get a whole lot of help, if the Panthers defeat the Falcons in Atlanta, if the Saints lose, if the Rams lose, and the Vikings lose, then the Panthers are your two-seed. So the Panthers are very much alive for still a first-round bye, which is just remarkable. And you got to give Cam Newton a lot of credit. you got to give that defense a lot of credit. But, I mean, they gave the Bucks, And the Bucks were – it was a cycle. The Bucks just kept getting in Panthers' territory, kept getting in the red zone. They just couldn't turn field goals into touchdowns. But there's something about the Panthers. I don't like Cam Newton. He is very annoying. He's very bashful, and then he's a crybaby when he loses. He just doesn't handle losses with class. And I just I'm not a big fan of him. And it's not that I'm rooting for him to lose. I just don't think they have the firepower to take down some of these teams. But if there's a year they could do it, it's this year because of those quarterback situation. If Wentz is playing and if and if if I trusted Keenum more, I would say he's got no shot. But because of Foles and Keenum and no Rams kicker. I mean, the top three teams have flaws. I know the Vikings have been great with Keenum, but still, playoffs are a different animal. The top three teams have flaws. The Saints, they have their flaws, but, I mean, their defense is surprised as Lattimore has been Defense Player of the Year. Panthers without a dominant receiving core. So these teams have flaws. The Falcons, I mean, still haunted by 28-3. And you know if the Seahawks get in, anything can happen with the Seahawks. If the Seahawks are in the playoffs, they're dangerous. So if it's Rams-Seahawks, that's going to be a heck of an NFC West battle. If it's Saints-Seahawks, it's going to be a heck of a game. So if the Seahawks should just get the Panthers to win on the road in Atlanta, this NFC playoffs is going to be wild. If the Falcons get in, who knows with the Falcons, man. I don't think they'll, I think they'll be a first round exit, but they could really do anything because their offense at times can be explosive. 
but we'll see. NFC is interesting. The AFC, the Jaguars are locked into the threes. There's not going to be a ton of... I mean, there'll be, there'll be excitement because the, the final seeds are still up for grabs. The Jaguars are locked into the three. The Chiefs are locked into the four. The Chiefs are starting Pat Mahomes this week, so that's a good move. Save Alex Smith. Get him some rest. And I'll see what you get in Mahomes. Mahomes is a rookie quarterback at a tremendous preseason and could very well be the Chiefs' starting quarterback next year with Alex Smith as a free agent. So see what you have in this kid. And I think it's the right move to start Mahomes. You have to, honestly. You have to see what you have in him. And if you you started Smith, do it for like a quarter. But the interesting part will come in the wild card situation. So the Ravens are 9-6 in the 5 seed. The Titans, they're 6 at 8-7. The Titans have to win... And they're in. The Titans are playing the Jaguars. And the Jaguars are locked into the three. So we're not going to see the Jaguars all in trying to do anything because a win doesn't do do them anything and the loss doesn't do anything. They want to get healthy, be healthy, going into a home playoff game and essentially pick who they want to play. If they lose, they're going to play the Titans. The Ravens. They are home against the Bengals. They win, they're in. The Ravens win their five, Titans win their six. If the Jaguars beat the Titans, it opens up a situation for the Bills and the Chargers. The Chargers need a win and a Titans loss. The Bills need more. The Bills need to win, they need the Titans to lose, and they need the Ravens to lose. I don't want to see the Bills in the playoffs. They don't deserve it. From some of the mistakes they made last week. Some of the mistakes they made this season. Sean McDermott starting Nathan Peterman. I don't want to see the Bills in the playoffs. I'd love to see the Chargers get that sixth seed. I do think the Chargers pose a threat to the Jaguars. They gave them a heck heck of a battle earlier this season in Jacksonville. So I think the most ideal team that could take down the Jaguars in the first round of the playoffs is the Chargers. We could get a playoff preview, though. If the Titans win, the Titans would then play the Jaguars again. So they'll get back-to-back weeks against them. It's hard to beat a team twice, especially two weeks in a row. You kind of have a game plan on them. You know a little bit about them. And them being division rivals, you already know about each other because this will be the second time you're playing each other. So that's going to be intriguing to see what the Jaguars are going to do. Are they going to go all out and knock the Titans out? Or do they want to win this game so they could play the Titans again? I think if I'm the Jaguars, you'd rather play the Titans than the Chargers. You'd rather play Mariota than Rivers. But Sunday is going to be very interesting. No flex game, so they're all one at four o'clock. So we're kind of going to have an idea how the playoffs are going to shape up here without that Sunday night game. the top of the AFC, the Patriots right now are one, the Steelers are two. The Patriots play the Jets, so they're basically locked into the one, unless they somehow lose to Bryce Petty and if Hackenberg plays. They're the one, and I think they will, at least for the first half, try their hardest and try to have a blowout so they can rest Brady. But I think the Patriots want this one seat so they go through Foxborough. They don't want to go to Pittsburgh again where they need the refs to get them a victory. So the Steelers win, Patriots lose, the Steelers are one. If the uh, Patriots win, 
they're one no matter what. They lead the tiebreaker because they defeated the Steelers in that controversial game a couple of weeks ago. But the issue here with the AFC and why we could say the NFC is going to be more fun to watch is in my mind the AFC is the Patriots and the Steelers. I don't see the Jaguars making a playoff run with Blake Bortles. I don't see the Chiefs just because they've been too inconsistent. I think at times they've been good, and obviously we know in week one they took down the Patriots, but they're a weird team to read. Andy Reid, you love him. You love that he was Santa Claus, but they're an odd team to read. So I think it's going to go through New England or Pittsburgh. I don't trust the Jaguars. I don't trust the Chiefs. The Ravens are at times look good, and they have that great defense, but at times they're bad, and they barely squeak by the freaking Colts. So I don't trust them. And I don't trust the Titans, Bills, or Chargers. I trust them to maybe beat the Jaguars in the first round, but pass that, no. So it's kind of set in stone that it's going to be the Patriots or Steelers. Oh, they need to play the games. I know, I know, I know. But it's those two teams. Well, you look at the NFC, it's flip a coin. Any of those teams, even the Eagles with Nick Foles, I can see winning the NFC because guess what? They're still 13-2. and And I know most of them are with Wentz, but their defense has been good. They have the receivers. They have Ertz. They have Jay Ajayi and LeGarrette Blunt. They have the run game. So I wouldn't even be shocked if Nick Foles led them to the Super Bowl. I wouldn't be shocked if Case Keenan because he's got a defense and he's got targets and he's got a backfield with McKinnon and Murray who have been solid. The Rams would not shock me if they don't have to go for field goals much. Would not shock me. The Panthers, Cam Newton, would not shock me. The Seahawks, definitely, even as a six, would not shock me. Saints wouldn't shock me. Falcons, they wouldn't shock me because they did it last year. So any of those seven teams in the NFC are not going to shock you. AFC, honestly, the Jaguars, shocking. The Titans, Bills, or Chargers getting to the Super Bowl would be shocking. The Chiefs, I would not say shocking because early in the season they look like a Super Bowl team and they have the head coach in Andy Reid who's been to the playoffs many times where that would not shock me. So Patriots, Steelers, Chiefs, in my opinion, the cream of the crop in the AFC. And the NFC, I said it, I'm going to say it again, all seven of those teams could make a Super Bowl and all have had times where they've looked great and they've had times where they've looked shaky. You feel for the Philly fans, the fans who threw at Santa Claus, the fans who have never experienced a Super Bowl title, are now in a Super Bowl year, and they lose their MVP quarterback. I mean, what a sad turn of events for them. I thought I might be Philly bound for a job. Didn't end up getting it. But I could have been there for the playoff run. And you feel for them. Because this was the year you're like, Carson Wentz, MVP, we got Jay Jai. oh my god, we're so damn good. And then bang, the three word fear, most feared letters in sports, A-C-L, and down goes their MVP. I'm looking forward to it, man. We got one more week, week and then a heck of a playoffs. More than a C I'm looking forward to, but I mean, it, it, playoffs are playoffs. Playoffs? It's going to be good. A couple more minutes left here. Uh, some other news around the NFL. Terrell Owens. I met the guy, and he gave me he autographed one of his hats he gave me from his prototype 81. Nice guy. Publicity stunt legend, I guess. 
saying he's being blackballed by Colin Kaepernick. Terrell Owens is 44 years old, hasn't played in seven years. T.O., get a clue! Being blackballed, you haven't played since the George W. Bush presidency! That's what it feels like! Oh my goodness, T.O., put the blunt down, brother! Put the henny down, brother! I love you, man, but come on now. You can't say that with a straight face. Man, there are plenty of guys your age who played, who are in good shape like you are. We, I understand you're in good shape. I see it on your Instagram stories. I see you working guys in hoops. I see you flexing your, your peck titties. But you haven't played in seven years, and in six years, you're collecting your AARP card. This is the NFL. It's not Major League Baseball. They're not taking 44-year-old has-beens. Kaepernick, yes. Blackballed, makes more sense, was just the NFL, is better than 90% of these backup quarterbacks in the league. Makes sense. And, and had all the off-the-field controversies where it makes sense for him to be blackballed. Terrell Owens might be blue-balled. I don't know how his sex life is going. He might be blue-balled, but you have not been blackballed. Seven years ago is the last time you stepped on a field. I think guys just don't want you because you're old and you're finished. And I kind of want to see him play now because I want to see how he would do. It's kind of the entertainment value. And now T.O. is at the point where he's taking a check wherever it comes. He got called out for some reality show he's doing where they said you're only here because of the check because you blew through all your NFL earnings, which is probably true. He likes that lavish lifestyle. But T.O., man, oh, man, the NFL dream's over. You were not blackballed. I read that, and I was like, oh, here he goes. Trying to keep his name out there, trying to stay in the spotlight and get some more checks. I guess you have to do that in this day and age. You have to do it. This is the Jake Brown Show, radio.com, iTunes, and Spotify. Some some great NFL um, hats off to Sean McVay and the job he did as the Rams clinched the NFC West. And before we wrap up, switching to the NBA, there's a lot of the debate, should NBA refs review fouls in the final two minutes? It was spotlighted on Christmas when LeBron James clearly got fouled twice. The second one was very clear that he got hacked by Kevin Durant. They didn't call him. I'm not one to defend LeBron James. He gets a lot of foul calls. He complains a lot. He's annoying. He gets... That one was pretty obvious. I mean, the ref was right there, too, which made it kind of weird that they missed that. He got hit pretty hard twice. He actually got fouled twice in one play, and then didn't call it. And I'm usually in the let him play situation. Those two were pretty obvious, and he didn't get it. And in that kind of situation, in the last two minutes, if they could figure out how to way to work, work it, you already review so much. If they're going to review who the ball went off of, which I believe they did there. They reviewed then They said it was off LeBron. If you're going to review that, I think under new rules it should be reviewed. If you're going to take that time, review if it's a foul. 
There's got to be something they could work up. They've already added so much with these replays. Why not get the foul calls right? If it's clear, if it's obvious, look at it. In that kind of situation, we're talking about a hell of a game that if he does get fouled, he makes both free throws. It's a different ball game. And I think refs have to consider, Adam Silver has to consider changing these rules where you say, let's take a look in the last two minutes. You're already looking at everything freaking else. You're looking if a guy breathed, breathed too hard. I mean, you've already added enough time in these games. Why not get it right? And in that situation, it's such a competitive game. It's Warriors-Cavs. It's finals rematch. It's Christmas. Everyone's locked and loaded in. That the story of that game becomes that they miss foul calls. Why do the refs have to be determining these games? If we're going to let the robots do it, if we're going to let the replays do it, let's just let's just go all in. Let's put all our chips in the middle and just go all in. We already have in the NFL refs ruining games. I mean, they're looking at replays and still getting it wrong in the NFL. Kelvin Benjamin, how they said that wasn't a touchdown is unbelievable. And of course it was the Patriots that get the benefit of the call. It's a, it's another NFL Sunday when the Patriots get the benefit of a call. How they looked at that Chiefs touchdown that called they said it wasn't a touchdown. How they reviewed it and said it wasn't when he clearly had two feet in possession. Tyree Kill. How they said that's not a touchdown. I mean, it's clear as day. We're watching at home. We're watching the same replay that these officials are watching, and they still find ways to get it wrong. At some point, you're gonna have to have a drone make the call. You're not gonna even be able to have humans make the call. What are they watching? And it's so frustrating that even with the replay, these guys get it wrong. What do you do? Do you find these refs? Do you suspend these refs? Do you fire them? I mean, there's a lot of things on the line that keep getting wrong. So why not in the NBA just look for the foul? Last two minutes only. That's it. Your review out of bounds. You review possession. You review all the stuff. If a guy gets clearly hacked, review it. Call it. The game's long enough. They go. They already cut the game by cutting a timeout, which has helped. I've noticed games have been shorter. But to avoid these complaints and to avoid storylines like what happened after, I mean, that game could have been closer if they did call a foul, I'll admit. I don't think it was a necessity per se. But it was a missed call. He did get fouled twice. And if you're going to call it every other time, why not take a look? But, I mean, Jeff Van, Gun- Jeff Van Gundy is unbearable. I mean, he complains about everything on these broadcasts. So why not take a look just to shut Jeff Van Gundy up? He complains about everything. Oh, this guy's wearing a mouthpiece. My day when I was coaching, no one wore a mouthpiece. Oh, these refs, it's a double standard. Jeff Van Gundy is like the grandpa at the dinner table that complains that the fork was on the left side instead of the right side. I mean, he he just complains about every little thing while watching that game. That a guy that I used to love as an announcer and a coach is just, whew, he is a tough listen. And that used to be a great crew. Mike Breen's great. Mark Jackson's great. And I loved Mark Jackson Sunday. Steve Jaffe or whatever his name is, the ref that is kind of the Mike Pereira of the NBA when they go to. 
Mark Jackson says, no offense, guys, but what did Steve just say? <laughs> he's, like, he's like, what did you just say? He's analyzing if it was a foul or not, what they do. And Mark Jackson's like, what did you just say, Steve? They go to these experts, and these guys give these, give these explanations and don't give an answer. They just go through this whole thing and like, um, so the verdict is foul or not a foul? Well, we've missed a lot here. Two weeks away from the show, I think we covered a lot. NFL, NBA, Pitch Perfect, Mamma Mia, Divorce Court, Star Wars, Price is Right. Which I think, what else have I forgot the last two weeks? Hmm, Benny Hanna. Uh, what else? What else is going on in the world? Hmm. Marcus Spears is going to join us. Blackballing. Completely forgot. How about the Patriots, man? How about the Steelers, one, releasing James Harrison? And then, two, only fitting that the Patriots pick him up. You know James Harrison is going to come out in the playoffs and have a huge tackle or interception or a fumble recovery to beat the Steelers in the playoffs. It's very Patriots-like. I mean, the Patriots are on their way to making another Super Bowl, at least. Who knows if they'll win it this time? But they're on their way to just doing it again. And now they get James Harris and Adam to the... I mean, how did the Steelers let him go? Because you knew the Patriots said, we got this when David Harris was released by the Jets. We got this. They will pick up those guys who they know they're going to phase later on and probably beat. And they did it again. Tom Brady's former quarterback buddy, Jimmy Garoppolo, has taken over the NFL. And I'm so worried about Sunday now that I have the Rams as a survivor against Jimmy G. Jimmy G next year for the 49ers gives them a whole new look. A whole new outlook on the Niners season with Jimmy Garoppolo from day one. And he's about to get paid. Friday night, just got paid. He's about to get a big check. A fat check. And he's about to be in the coverage EQ and everything. I mean, the man's the sexiest quarterback alive. I mean, any straight man will tell you, this guy is very good looking. If I look like Jimmy Garoppolo every day, oh man. I'd be single, for sure. <laughs> I would I would just do it all. If I was Jimmy Garoppolo, oh, man, I'd be walking down the street just like, mm, 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 mm. I'm a great quarterback. I backed up Tom Brady, and now I'm here, bitches. And that guy is he's a handsome young fella. And now he's showing he is a tremendous quarterback and a leader. And the Niners are winning. And the Niners have become a fun team now. And they don't have a ton of talent on that team, which makes it interesting. So Jimmy G has become a huge storyline for the Niners. Got to give him credit. Finally put him on the field. Took C.J. Beathard out of there and put Garoppolo on the field. And he should have been there as soon as that trade was made. Well, I guess they wanted him to learn the playbook and all that and see what Beathard had. Beathard, I think, had the concussion. And that the injury was kind of like, all right, finally, we could put Jimmy G in now. We have an excuse, and we're going to leave him in there. He's got a hell of a future. And the Niners, who were nothing, are now a story. College football playoffs, we'll talk about Marcus Spears, but Georgia, Oklahoma, Clemson, Alabama. I like Oklahoma. I think Baker Mayfield is going to put kind of the icing on the cake for him being a better quarterback, NFL quarterback coming up than people think. Maybe the Giants take a look at him with the top three pick. 
And then I do believe that Alabama is actually going to be Clemson. I just think Nick Saban is such a mastermind, and I think Alabama, as soon as you knew they were going to be in, uh, you knew that they'd be trouble. So I think it's going to be Alabama, Oklahoma, and then I think Oklahoma and Baker Mayfield is going to take the national title the following week. That's coming up on New Year's. Coming up next, Marcus Spears, Cowboys defensive end. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you had a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, otherwise Happy Holidays. Um, Victoria Day, I think that's in Canada or something. Um, or Boxing Day, not Victoria Day. Boxing Day. Wasn't that yesterday, Boxing Day? Um, I don't know when Boxing Day is. I always associate it with around New Year's, though. Boxing Day is, uh, it was yesterday. So happy Boxing Day to all, all those who celebrate. Uh, it originated in the United Kingdom. So happy holidays. Have a happy New Year, everyone. Try and stay warm. Stay inside. Don't go to the New Year's parade. How about people just don't show up? And instead of it being a spectacle, no one's there. I mean, what a twist that would be. How about you have the whole show and nobody's in the, in the crowd? Can we do that one year? Can we just start a revolution? That would be fantastic. Where no one shows up and you have Mariah Carey lip singing in front of no one. <laughs> That would be just glorious if that happened. But Marcus Spears, SEC Network, former Cowboys defensive end, is going to join us coming up next to talk about his Cowboys and Jason Garrett and their debacle and missing the playoffs, to talk about the Giants and Landon Collins, to preview the playoffs and the college football playoff coming up next. We'll be back in studio next Wednesday. Um, we have a couple of good guests line up lined up for the coming weeks um we should have brandon steiner in the coming weeks who created steiner sports the memorabilia company we'll have donovan darius the former jaguar as well who's starting up a new flag football league that will feature some stars like nate robinson i believe to michael vick and the winner is going to kind of be like a pros versus joe's thing where the winner is going to get two million dollars uh, so that's going to be a great tournament to watch out donovan darius started that and he's also a former jaguar and he'll join us in the coming weeks as well so watch out for that subscribe on apple Podcasts on itunes rate us five stars write a review and on spotify and stitcher and podcast.radio.com slash jake brown you can hit us on social media at jake brown radio and at jake brown show have a happy new year everyone marcus spears coming up next right here on the jake brown show peace call from mom answer it call silenced instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And we're back in the second half of the Jake Brown Show. Uh, I never know if, and we talked about this earlier, do you still say Merry Christmas after Christmas? I don't think you do. I think you lead it into the new year. You say Happy New Year, but then again, do you say Have a Happy New Year, or can you just say Happy New Year? There's just so many issues with that, Uh, but we're wishing a Happy New Year to our guest on the line now, former Cowboys defensive end. You could catch him on the SEC Network. He's a college football analyst, and he's the co-analyst of Thinking Out Loud. Uh, You see him on ESPN. You see him all over. He's a big fella. He's down in Charlotte, North Carolina, where you could get some uh, pretty damn good Bojangles, and you could visit the Brown family as well and uh, visit our neighbor, Leonard Little. Uh, Marcus Spears on the line, M Spears 96 on Twitter. Marcus, appreciate you coming on, man. How you doing? I'm doing well, Jay. Appreciate you, man. Just, uh, Enjoying a crisp 47 in Charlotte, 
sun is shining, so everything is all good, brother. 47. Damn, it's summer down there. And here in New York, it's 20 yeah. degrees. It's supposed to be 11 on New Year's Eve. So it always bothers yeah, me. Y'all can have that, man. Y'all can have all of that. <laughs> and it bothers me the people who sit all day to just to see the damn ball drop. Your balls will won't drop because they'll be so frigid in those freezing temperatures uh, that you'll need a diaper uh, trying to sit there all day in the city. So I'll be I'll keep my ass on the couch, uh, stay warm, have a couple of beers and hang out in the warmth of my home. I never understand those people who do that. But anyways, it's getting cold in the football season, but the storylines are getting hot. Let's start with the Cowboys since you played uh, with the Cowboys. And Jerry Jones said that Jason Garrett, uh, it seems like his job is safe. It seems like he's going to be back next year. Uh, do you agree with that decision? I mean, I, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's as controversial as some other places. Obviously, mm-hmm. Uh, Dallas is trying to get over the hump, but look, this team, the team needs work. And when you think about, um, when you look at them this year compared to when they were a 13 win team, everything was about the offensive line and Ezekiel Elliott. Now Dallas is starting to realize, especially with Dak at quarterback, we're going to have to get some receivers in here. Mm-hmm. And I think what you see is the change in the guard. Obviously, I saw Jason Witten interview after the game. He was emotional. That's always a lead in the retirement. Um, obviously, the stuff circling around Dez and whether his production is uh, valuable enough for the money that he's making. So I think you just got a lot of change going on as far as players' roles are different. You got a, you got a star worth than Jason Witten, who's probably ending his career. You got a new quarterback. And I know everybody got excited about what Dak did last year. Usually in the second year, there is some drop-off when you have that type of success in week um, in year one. So I, I think they just have to retool, man. The offensive line is still really good. You got three guys that selected to the Pro Bowl. You talk about Ezekiel Elliott being back. Hopefully his problems are behind him. But I think Jason Garrett is, is a pretty good coach. Uh, I don't know what tier you would put him in the NFL. I think at any given moment he can be as good as any of them. And then sometimes you get years like this. But they're still an eight-win football team. I just think because it's Dallas and the expectations, it's very hard to um, it's very hard to judge a coach based on the expectations by Jerry and what everybody else in America thinks should happen with the Dallas Cowboys every year. I'm a fan. I love the mm-hmm. game. But I'm a fan of the Dallas Cowboys, but I'm a realistic guy. I played in that league. It's hard to continue to win like you see New England doing. And Dan Bailey Sunday, you would think he was part of the Ringley, Ringling Barnum Bailey Circus with some of those missed field goals. Uh, it obviously cost them against the Seahawks. Uh, J- Jason Garrett, yeah, I agree. There's a lot of guys who have done a much worse job, and I don't think it's his fault per se that this team is in this position. Dak Prescott, I mean, second year he he he, sk- he amazed us in his rookie season. His sophomore slump a little bit, loses Zeke for six games. That obviously hurt. The offense takes a hit. What's your overall impression of him because he has struggled a lot this season. Do you point at the lack of receiving depth and the lack of Des Bryant being a number one and, and Zeke out? Or do you think Dak maybe is not as good as we all thought he was after his first year? No, I think Dak is I think Dak is as good, but I gotta be honest with you, I'm a little biased. I watched him at Mississippi State covering mm-hmm. him in the SEC. He has all the tools to be a successful quarterback as you saw year one, but 
Here's the thing, Jake, and a lot of people don't really pay attention to football in depth enough. They get emotional and they start st- saying stuff because their team is losing or a player is playing bad. When Ezekiel Elliott leaves the offense for the Dallas Cowboys, everything changes. You're asking your quarterback to do something different. You're asking your wide receivers to do something different. You're asking your offensive line to do something different. There are those type of players on teams. Now, some teams can keep it going and not miss a beat because of the system and everything that's going on. They're just going to do what they do. But in Dallas' situation, we think about this. Preseason, before the season started, there were a number of coaching meetings going on between Scott Linehan, Jason Garrett, and that offensive staff. And they put a playbook together built around number 21 in the backfield. Mm-hmm. And when you take him away, we have to go to something different. Now, I know everybody's going to say, well, these are professional athletes. They're supposed to be able to adjust. The coaches can't even adjust. Linehan had Zeke back and didn't run the ball in the red zone three, three times to try to give him a shot at, at getting in the end zone. I just think, man, I, I think Ezekiel is that important to this offense. But I don't think that takes away um, from the tremendous things that Dak has done. Obviously, um, either Dez is having a down year, and it could be mentally, could be physically. He may not have the juice that he wants used to have. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, there is no one on Dallas's offense other than Zeke and, and maybe the offensive line as a group when they're all healthy that you fear. I don't think people fear Dez Bryant anymore. And that was a big part of his success when he first started in this league because I was on the team. Uber athlete to win the one-on-one balls, that just hasn't materialized. And then, too, the relationship that Tony Romo and Dez Bryant had is a lot different than the one that Dak and Dez Bryant has. And I'm, I would venture to say that these guys really don't – it doesn't look like they're always in sync mm. when I watch them play. It doesn't look like uh, Dak really knows how to throw the ball to Dez in those one-on-one situations at times. So I, I think it's a lot of things going on. But when you put a playbook together preseason – and you take the most important part of that playbook away, you're going to struggle offensively. I don't care who you are. And Des Bryant has not had a 100-yard receiving game since the Barack Obama presidency. Uh, that, sh- <laughs> that shows you it's been a long time. Uh, yeah. And Marcus Spears, former Cowboy, joining us. Follow him on Twitter, mspears96. Follow him on the gram at mspear96, where you might be cooking up a nice chicken uh, or popping a bottle of Hennessy, either one. You know uh, what it is. You know what seems it is, like, I can't do Hennessy, man. I'm more of like a Ciroc guy. I just cannot drink Hennessy. I, I don't know what it is. See, we polar opposites because I, I don't I don't fool with vodka, man. Vodka makes me feel terrible. Oh. Any cognac, I'm great the next morning. Vodka's got me picking up ladies, eating food, and having a good time. Uh, I know that, so I'm o- I'm gonna stick with the vodka uh, and Stay beer. With the rock, man. Yeah, and, and I've gotten into wine lately. I'm trying to keep it a little bit classier, but I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of a, a pussy drinker where I, I like like the Moscato, like I like the, the fruity kind of wine. Um, but whatever, girls love well, wine, so. I, Ain't nothing wrong with that, man. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. It's entirely <laughs> fine for you to be a wine guy. I'm a wine guy. I, I do it in spurts, though. Like, my wife would get on this wine high, and we drink it every night. It's great for right before you go to sleep, too. You get great sleep with it. So I don't know why I don't do it more, but 
Nah, I, I'm, I'm a Moscato guy. Most people are. I mean, rich people drink all of the, <laughs> the stuff that nobody has ever heard of. But the the wine drinkers of the majority of wine drinkers drink Pinot, Moscato. You drink a Cab every once in a while and a Merlot. Like, and, and it's from the grocery store oh or yeah the, or the convenience store i get that that thing for like eight bucks ten bucks bottle of wine yeah. boom i'm good for the night and you good yeah marcus Pierce joining us uh go, going to the another team in the nsc east who has made headlines i want to get your opinion on this i mean you've heard about the landing college exchange basically said yeah. in an interview with bob bushusen who's filling in for michael k on espn radio here in new york that eli apple is a cancer to the locker room and we know his mom has been i mean his mom's been all over the news for the wrong reasons. Uh, what's your take on this situation? Have you ever had something similar to this, where a guy just came out on uh, on the radio and called a teammate a cancer? I mean, it's it's a disaster. I have not, man, but this is what losing can do. Mm-hmm. And I look at the situation where you have somewhat of success last year, but I'm going to take it another route. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have been um, talking about this um, all over Radio Airways, I'm, I'm sure I know it's been a big story on ESPN. But you don't, you can't say that, Landon. Mm-hmm. Like you, you just can't give that to the public, right? You can't. That's got to stay in house. Yeah, mm-hmm. like you can't, you can't just come out and say a dude's a cancer. I don't care how much you dislike him, or how much you don't think that it's um that he should be with you or in the secondary. As one of your counterparts, you just cannot say that. And I, I'm still of the old NFL code, man, where you don't out your teammates. And it doesn't matter if you have a great relationship with them. There's a there's sort of a code of honor where if a guy's having a problem, having an issue, that's already known amongst teammates and is known amongst the front office most of the time. But when you when you go public with it, it makes everybody else question you. As far as, you know, what what can we say, do around you? What can we, you know, so I, I think I think, I think Landon's intention was good. Um, may have been trying to say that in public, so it's a wake-up call to Eli Apple and, you know, maybe light a fire under him because from everything that I know, the dude's super talented. Everybody talks about what a great athlete he is. But with that being said, man, I just don't think, I don't think, if I was if I was able to get with Landon, who's a New Orleans guy, Louisiana guy, mm-hmm. and, and just pull him under my wing as a little bro, I'm gonna just say, look, man, just keep that in house. Let's not share that with everybody out here in the general public, because now, now, now it looks like you're beefing, and now you know it's kind of like you pressed against the code in the NFL when you do have those disputes going on. Um, of, of not shedding light on it unless somebody just saw it like a fly on the wall. Well, now don't so, the Giants have to – I mean, don't you have to consider cutting Eli Apple? He's been bad as a quarterback. But now that this comes out, you have to figure that a lot of the defensive side and a lot of the guys in the locker room think something similar. And now there was recent news with his mom and his mom taking a lot of his her son's money and there's just been all this drama. Yeah. Don't you have to get rid of that at this point? Considering Landon Collins is a guy you don't want to get rid of because he is a good player and he is a great safety. And he's a he's a force you need on defense. Uh, don't you cut Eli Apple now if you're the Giants? Yeah, man. I think you I think you talk to more than Landon Collins though, because there's a lot of bits. Mm-hmm. You got RC back there. You got um, what's the other guy? The the super corner that gives Dez his fits. Um, I, 
forget his name. But anyway, you got a bunch of veteran guys that have played a lot of football, and obviously Landon has uh, ingrained himself as one of those leaders on defense. I think the, the, the decision has to be made. I was listening to my boy Chris Kenny, who was up there on radio in New York, mm-hmm. talk about the Giants taking $9 million hit if they get rid of Eli Apple. Um, and the and the cap is already under stress, so I don't know. I don't I don't know what you do. Do you try to trade him and get something back for it? I'm sure though. Um, you know, if you if you do the vetting, because they they trying to fix the front office, got to find a head coach. It's a lot going on. Eli Apple may be like the tenth thing on the list to do right now. Yeah. And um in the Giants organization. So with that being said, man, he may just have to. He may just have to try to stick it out. You hope he learns something. Right, at some point, if it gets that, if it gets to that point, you get the right GM in there, the right head coach, and he goes to his star players. He goes to the guys that are are pretty much the foundations of the organization. Based on what everybody is saying, Eli won't be there because he's he doesn't fit the culture. He may fit the culture somewhere else, and that's a big mm-hmm. deal um, in that league, man. The communication is everything. Playing for the dude next to you is everything on any level of football, but especially in the NFL. And when you talk about the secondary, all of those guys have to be on the same page. You can't be out there with an ego or somebody feeling sensitive about how another dude feel about him. So I don't think it will work out great. I think, and, and, and one thing we do know, Jake, Eli's going to be gone before Landon's gone. Oh yeah, for sure, and and I think you yeah. just have to eat the money. I mean, I know the money might be an issue, but the Giants have a lot of other issues, and you got to clear, I guess, quote unquote, yeah. cancer that it is in the locker room. Uh, we got about a minute or two left with Marcus Spears. Quickly in the NFC, who do you like now with Nick Foles? I mean, had a horrible game against the Raiders. The Eagles atop the NFC, but who do you like going into the playoffs here to take the conference? Man, I'm looking at it. Um, I- I still, I still, and I know a lot of people are saying, man, this dude crazy. I still don't discount Seattle because of Russell. Mm-hmm. And then also, watch out for Carolina, man. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Cam can get going. If that run game gets going with Jonathan Stewart and they figure out stuff with McCaffrey, uh, it, it could be, it could get very interesting in, in the side of the conference. And then you talk about Minnesota as well mm-hmm. and what they're doing how, how much do you believe in case keenum and the the work that he can put in so it's just it's it's a few teams but look the, the thing about the playoffs man is you got to be hot at the right time like we've we've seen a nine and seven giants team be the undefeated new england because they got hot at the right time years ago so mm-hmm. I, I think all of these teams are capable when you make the playoffs in the nfl usually in most cases you are you a really good team that has a chance to play better than whoever you're playing with on Sunday. So, um, but but when I look at the two, I don't I don't discount um, Seattle if they get in, and mm-hmm. then but I think Carolina, man, I think Carolina is gonna cause a lot of problems for people. I agree. I think the NFC is wide open, and uh, the Rams, I, I don't trust as much just because without Greg Zerline, I mean, it's amazing how much of a dominant kicker he was. You take him out of the picture, and they are scared to yeah. even go for extra points or field goals with Sam Ficken. Last one, uh, 30 seconds left, uh, college football playoff, New Year's Day, Georgia, Oklahoma, Alabama, Clemson. Who do you like, Marcus? I like Georgia in the uh, Georgia-Oklahoma game in the, in the uh, Rose Bowl. And I like Clemson, man, in the um, hmm. Sugar Bowl because I think Clemson is one of the more complete teams in the country, and they played at a consistent level. I think Bama struggles 
offensively against really good defenses. I mean, you look at when they played against Auburn, they were 3-for-11 on third-down conversions. When Jalen Hurts can't run, I don't know how effective they are offensively if they can't run the football. And Clemson definitely has some guys up front that can stop them. But the great thing about that matchup is it's going to be a lot of first-rounders playing in the trenches. So whoever takes that step during that game can have success. And then when you look at Georgia, I think Georgia's style of play helps them more against Oklahoma than actually being able to go out and stop Baker Mayfield possession after possession. They have to use the run game to be their defense. And if they can do that, which Oklahoma has been really bad against the run defensively this year, if if Georgia can do that, they can have some success. Baker Mayfield is like Steph. Mm-hmm. Or LeBron, you got to limit their possessions. Mm-hmm. There, it, it's not—it's not that they're not gonna have a good game. But remember when LeBron used to get triple doubles and people be like, "Oh, it was a high game because he had twenty <laughs> points, ten rebounds, ten assists." Mm-hmm. Like people like, but it's a triple double though. But it's LeBron James, so mm-hmm. we're not comparing him to everybody else's triple double. That's how you got to look at Baker Mayfield. Like if he throws for three touchdowns, four touchdowns, and they have 28, and you win 31-28 or you win 35-28, you stop Baker Mayfield based on what he's been doing all year. And people will say, well, Baker had a good game, but that's not Baker's standard. So mm-hmm. I like Georgia to kind of impose their will in the run game and keep the ball away from the Heisman Trophy winner. And a big game for Mayfield to raise his draft stock, especially with uh, Rosen yes, potentially not, Rosen not playing in the bowl game. It's looking like uh, Mayfield could jump right in there into the top ten. Former Cowboys defensive end, catch him on the SEC Network, Thinking Out Loud, ESPN, M. Spears 96 on Twitter. Marcus Spears, have a happy new year, man. Appreciate you coming on the show. Jake, happy new year, bro. Appreciate you having me. All right, man. Do it again. Have a biscuit down there at Bojangles for me. I will do. All right, man. Take care. All right, later. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.